Hello and welcome to eBible Fellowship's Evening Bible Studies with your speaker, Chris McCann. If you'd like more information or to hear more studies, visit our website at www.ebiblefellowship.com. And now, with your evening Bible study, here's Chris McCann. Good evening and welcome to eBible Fellowship's Bible Study in the Book of Revelation. Tonight is study number 8 of Revelation chapter 19, and we're going to be reading verses 7 through 9. Let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to him, for the marriage of the Lamb is come, and his wife hath made herself ready, and to her was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen, clean and white, for the fine linen is the righteousness of saints. And he saith unto me, Write. Blessed are they which are called unto the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he saith unto me, These are the true sayings of God. Well, in our last couple of studies, we've been looking at the spiritual marriage between the Lord Jesus Christ and his bride, the body of the elect, all those that are saved by the grace of God. And we've seen how God pictures the uh, his entire salvation program in the sense of calling people to the marriage in the parable of Matthew chapter 22. We saw how the Lord pictures the bringing in of the elect to the wedding in the parable of the ten virgins in Matthew chapter 25. And uh, we, of course, have seen here in Revelation chapter 19 that the marriage supper of the Lamb is a way of referring to Judgment Day itself. Now, there's another uh, reference to a marriage in a parabolic form in Luke 14. Let's Let's go over there, Luke chapter 14. And I'll read verses 7 through 11. And he put forth a parable to those which were bidden, when he marked how they chose out the chief rooms, saying unto them, When thou art bidden of any man to a wedding, and again, this word wedding is Strong's number 1062, which can uh, just as equally be translated as marriage, when thou art bidden of any man to a wedding or a marriage, sit not down in the highest room, lest a more honorable man than thou be bidden of him. And he that bade thee and him come and say to thee, Give this man place, and thou begin with shame to take the lowest room. But when thou art bidden, go and sit down in the lowest room, that when he that bade thee cometh, he may say unto thee, Friend, go up higher. Then shalt thou have worship in the presence of them that sit at meat with thee. For whosoever exalteth himself shall be abased, and he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. In this parable, God is uh, focused on the response to the call to the wedding, and he's emphasizing humility over pride, and and really it's a focus on 
um, the proper way of responding to the gospel when we hear, for instance, in the day of salvation, that judgment day was approaching, that May 21, 2011 would be the day of judgment. Well, you're bidden to the marriage and, and now how do you come? In what way do you show yourself to the wedding ceremony? Do you come and in, in pride and arrogance and and enter in as though you're somebody important and take the uh, the chief seat? Uh, you uh, you you sit down in the highest room, and no God warns against that. And, and the highest room would be someone puffed up in pride. And, uh, and if you, uh, take the highest room, well, watch out because, uh, you can, with shame, be brought down to the lowest. And, and, and that's a warning of, uh, people who attempt to accept Christ, to bring salvation to themselves, to exalt their own self, into the heavenlies to lift themselves up through making a decision or doing some work of some kind in response to the gospel call they misconstrue it or they twist it and and uh, pervert the the pure gospel the grace of god into a works gospel and they think they've come to the feast and and they're saved already, so they're in the highest room. And God says, no, you do not respond that way, but you respond very humbly. And that is when you hear the message of the gospel, that you're a sinner and under the wrath of God. And there's nothing you can do to change your circumstance, to get yourself saved. It's completely in the hands of God. Uh, he will have mercy upon whom he will have mercy and he will decide. Christ will make the determination whether or not you're one of his elect and it's already been decided from the foundation of the world. And, and so very humbly and meekly and lowly we approach God saying, Oh Lord. And, and again, remember this is at the time when God was saving in the day of salvation, O oh, Heavenly Father, I pray that you might have mercy upon me, that I might be one of those that you have elected to salvation, that Christ might have paid for my sins and died for me from the foundation of the world, and and just cry out for mercy, and then wait. Wait that day and the next day, Present it again to, to God, or the next hour, present it again. Oh, oh, Father, have mercy upon me, continually lifting ourselves up, continually, um, in prayer uh, to God, because we are in the lowest place possible. We're in the pit. We're under His wrath, as far as we know. We desperately need a Savior. And, and we've heard the call and we were waiting on the Lord. That's the lowest room. And that's why the one uh, who is able to stay in that kind of place, it's, um, in all likelihood because 
They are one of God's elect, and so uh, they will be exalted. They will be lifted up. Well, just notice one other thing in this parable. In verse 10, when thou art bidden, go and sit down in the lowest room, and when he that bade thee cometh, he may say unto thee, go up higher. So, remember in the, the parable of Matthew 22, the king came in to see the guest. In Matthew 25, the bridegroom came. And, and here too, when he that bade thee cometh, that's when the one um, guest who exalted himself is put down, and the other guest who was humble is lifted up. And and again, that relates to both being in similar circumstances, both being present at the wedding ceremony, at the marriage, in order for this lifting up of one and putting down of another to take place. And and again, that ties into the elect living on the earth in the day of judgment. And here we are. And finally, at the completion of this period of time, God will lift up in the rapture and the resurrection all of his lowly elect people. And he will put down and destroy all those that are not truly his people. All right. Let's go back to Revelation 19. And in verse 9, again, it's mentioned, Blessed are they which are called unto the marriage supper of the Lamb. And then further down in Revelation 19, in verses 17 and 18, it says, And I saw an angel standing in the sun, and he cried with a loud voice, saying to all the fowls that fly in the midst of heaven, Come and gather yourselves together unto the supper of the great God, that ye may eat the flesh of kings, and the flesh of captains, and the flesh of mighty men, and the flesh of horses, and of them that sit on them, and the flesh of all men, both free and bond, both small and great. And actually, I'm going to read the next verse too. And I saw the beast and the kings of the earth and their armies gathered together to make war against him that sat on the horse and against his army. And the beast was taken, and with him the false prophet that wrought miracles before him, with which he deceived them that had received the mark of the beast, and them that had worshipped his image, these both were cast alive into a lake of fire, burning with brimstone, and the remnant were slain with the sword of him that sat upon the horse, which sword proceeded out of his mouth, and all the fowls were filled with their flesh. And here, with this passage, we see at the marriage supper of the Lamb, the supper of the great God, and that's another uh, biblical proof verse that Christ is God. One hand, it says the supper of the land. The other, the supper of the great God. During this supper, the fowls are eating the flesh of all the unsaved, uh, of all the enemies of the kingdom of heaven. And uh, when we go back to the Old Testament, we don't find the word supper used in association with this this marriage feast, this marriage supper that we're reading about here in Revelation 19. Instead, God uses the word sacrifice 
in Ezekiel 39. In Ezekiel 39, God is describing the destruction of Gog and Magog. And in Revelation 20, it says in Revelation 20, verses 7 and 8, And when the thousand years are expired, Satan shall be loosed out of his prison, and shall go out to deceive the nations which are in the four quarters of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them together to battle, the number of whom is as the sand of the sea. That means when Satan is loosed, and he enters into the churches, he is in the full force of his power. He is uh, typified by Gog and all of his forces, Magog, as the corporate church becomes his. And, and Gog and Magog, Satan and his emissaries, are not destroyed until the end of the Great Tribulation. To look at it another way, Gog and Magog, when they're a mighty army to be reckoned with, is just um, a similar picture to uh, the king of Babylon and the Babylonians, when they're in their full might, destroying Judah. That's typifying the Great Tribulation period, and it's at the end of the Great Tribulation, the Babylonians fell, it's at the end of the Great Tribulation, Gog and Magog are slain. And Ezekiel 39 is describing the destruction of Gog and Magog, and therefore describing the end of the Great Tribulation, the Day of Judgment. And it says in Ezekiel 39, beginning in verse 17, And thou son of man, Thus saith the Lord Jehovah, Speak unto every feathered fowl, and to every beast of the field. Assemble yourselves and come. Gather yourselves on every side to my sacrifice, that I do sacrifice for you, even a great sacrifice upon the mountains of Israel, that ye may eat flesh and drink blood. Ye shall eat the flesh of the mighty, and drink the blood of the princes of the earth, of rams, of lambs, and of goats, of bullocks, all of them fatlings of Bashan, and shall eat fat to be full, and drink blood to be drunken of my sacrifice, which I have sacrificed for you. Thus ye shall be filled at my table with horses and chariots, with mighty men, and with all men of war, saith the Lord Jehovah, and I will set my glory among the heathen, that's, uh, remember that the Hebrew word translated as heathen can also be translated as nations. So I will set my glory among the nations and all the heathen or the nations shall see my judgment that I have executed and my hand that I have laid upon them. So the house of Israel shall know that I am Jehovah their God from that day and forward. And here God is speaking of the sacrifice that he has sacrificed for you. And this is the equivalent, this is the Old Testament equivalent to the marriage supper of the Lamb. We we find the fowls are in view. We find it's the same time period with um, Gog and Magog 
being the ones that are that are being devoured and and that would come at the end of the great tribulation we find similar language of eating the flesh of the mighty and and uh, horses and mighty men and so forth as revelation 19 describes and so it is the old testament equivalent for the marriage supper of the lamb or it's synonymous with that yet god doesn't call it a supper even though they're eating but he says it's a sacrifice and he uses that word several times and it's the word the hebrew word that is a word that would identify with typical sacrifices it's used in exodus concerning the passover sacrifice it's also the hebrew word that's translated as offering and therefore when god says um my sacrifice that I do sacrifice for you, even a great sacrifice, we could understand that, that this is my offering, that I do offer for you, even a great offering. It is the offering up of Satan and his forces, Gog and Magog, in the day of judgment. And God is calling it a sacrifice. Now we'll try to explain why that is in in just a little bit but let's let's also see in Isaiah 34 where the Lord uses the same word sacrifice in regards to the day of judgment it says in Isaiah 34 in uh, the first couple of verses come near ye nations to hear and hearken ye people let the earth hear and all that is therein, the world, and all things that come forth of it. For the indignation of Jehovah is upon all nations. That is, it's judgment day. The the later verses confirm that. Look at verse 8. For it is the day of Jehovah's vengeance, and, and, and so forth. The, the context is clear. It is the final judgment of mankind. All right, going back to verse 2. For the indignation of Jehovah is upon all nations and his fury upon all their armies. He has utterly destroyed them. He has delivered them to the slaughter. Their slain also shall be cast out, and their stink shall come up out of their carcasses, and the mountains shall be melted with their blood, and all the host of heaven shall be dissolved, and the heavens shall be rolled together as a scroll, and all their hosts shall fall down, as the leaf falleth off from the vine." As a falling fig from the fig tree, for my sword shall be bathed in heaven. Behold, it shall come down upon Idumea and upon the people of my curse to judgment. The sword of Jehovah is filled with blood. It is made fat with fatness and with the blood of lambs and goats, with the fat of the kidney of rams. For Jehovah hath a sacrifice in Basra, and a great slaughter in the land of Idumea. Well, in in this passage, God is clearly again speaking of the day of His wrath, Judgment Day, and uh, we're of course familiar with some of these terms: the host of heaven being dissolved. The heavens rolled together as a scroll reminds us of Revelation chapter 6, which ties that awesome event 
to the time when the sun is darkened, and therefore immediately after the tribulation. But at this point, we're interested in the language of sacrifice, and and that is what God is saying, that he uh, is using his sword. The sword of Jehovah is filled with blood, and he does it to to slay and to produce the blood of lambs and goats and fat of kidneys of rams. It's as though God is killing the sacrifices because he has a sacrifice in Basra and a great slaughter in the land of Idumea. Idumea is another word for Edom. The Hebrew word Strong's 123 is also translated as Edom. And, and Edom is Esau. And, and remember, uh, Jacob I love, but Esau I hated. So Esau or Edom or Idumea can be used to represent the unsaved, those that are not elect. And, and here that's what's in view. God is offering up the non-elect the unsaved people of the earth as a sacrifice, and it is his sword that uh, he says is bathed in heaven, that that is filled with blood. And remember, in Revelation 19, we we didn't read this um, in the section we read, but in Revelation 19, it, it was the sword of Christ in uh, Revelation. 19 verse 15, and out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword, that with it he should smite the nations, and he shall rule them with a rod of iron, and he treadeth the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. And then it proceeds into the language of the fowls of the heaven being filled at the marriage supper of the Lamb. And, and also here in Isaiah 34, the sword of Jehovah is bathed in heaven. The Jehovah's sword is very active in making this sacrifice of Idumea of Edom. And that's because it is uh, the sacrifice of all the unsaved. Now let's go to one other verse that is set in the context of Judgment Day. And God also uses the same word sacrifice. In that context, in Zephaniah chapter 1, and I would uh, recommend and encourage people to read Zephaniah 1, the the entire chapter. It uh, is a very in-depth discussion of the Day of Judgment. It's actually one of the, the more intense chapters detailing God's wrath at the end of the world. And in this chapter in Zephaniah 1, it says in verse 7, Hold thy peace at the presence of the Lord Jehovah, for the day of Jehovah is at hand. For Jehovah hath prepared a sacrifice. He has bid his guests. Now here, God is introducing that word sacrifice along with bidding his guests. And and that's what we saw in the parable of the wedding feast in Matthew 22. The guests were bidden. And we uh, actually saw also 
in Revelation 19, in verse 9. And he saith unto me, Right, blessed are they which are called unto the marriage supper of the Lamb. So again, uh, we're on the right track. We're, our understanding is proven correct that the Old Testament references here in these passages to sacrifice are the equivalent to the, the supper, the, the wedding feast, the marriage supper of the Lamb. Jehovah has prepared a sacrifice. He has bid his guests. And then in verse 8 of Zephaniah 1, it says, And it shall come to pass in the day of Jehovah's sacrifice that I will punish the princes and the king's children and all such as are clothed with strange apparel. And that's further confirmation that the sacrifice in Judgment Day is the same thing as the marriage supper of the Lamb. Because, remember, in Matthew 22, after bidding his guests, the king came in, in verse 11, to inspect the guests. And it says in Matthew 22:11, And when the king came in to see the guests, he saw there a man which had not on a wedding garment. And he saith unto him, Friend, how camest thou in hither, not having a wedding garment? And he was speechless. Then said the king to the servants, Bind him hand and foot, and take him away, and cast him into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth, for many are called, but few are chosen. Now again, God says in Zephaniah, uh, in prefiguring that, in prophesying of the end of the world, um, thousands of years ago in the Old Testament, that it will come to pass on the day of Jehovah's sacrifice that I will punish the princes and the king's children and all such as are clothed with strange apparel. He didn't have on the proper attire. He didn't have on the wedding garment. And, and, and so, yes, the wedding or, or the marriage supper of the lamb is the day of Jehovah's wrath judgment day and in that time God has bidden his guests and it is at that time he will perform an inspection that is he's going to find out the day will declare whether you and I are gold silver precious stones or wood hay stubble the day will will determine it the fire will reveal it It'll burn the one and not the other. And it, it will be seen whether we have the foundation of a rock or a foundation of sand. It, it will it will be discovered if we're a true man in whom is no guile or if we still have a deceitful heart of unbelief. God's going to find out during this period of time. It, it's why he is trying all those that profess to be his people. It is to discover who is the part of that third part that will make it through the fire and who is part of the two-thirds, 666, the number of mankind, the number of men that are in their sins. 
Well, um, it, it, it's really interesting how God has tied all these verses together and, and he's focused on this marriage supper that is presently taking place. We have been bidden. We have all the guests have arrived. We are there at the feast. Thanks for joining us for eBible Fellowship's Evening Bible Studies. You can hear these studies Monday through Friday over PalTalk, Skype, eBible Fellowship's webcast audio, or over your phone. For more information or to hear other studies, visit www.ebiblefellowship.com. Until our next study, may the Lord's perfect will be done.